previously on Worlds Away. Even before we kicked off the Minerva Project, one of the first of these anomalies that Dr. Sen found was on a planet called Feronia. For the past few months, there have been rumors circulating about some kind of creature there. I think some of them even used the word monster. Director Shaw seemed hesitant to believe it was Aventine, despite mounting evidence. I can't believe I'm the one coming to the director's defense here, but unless you knew to look for this kind of information, you probably wouldn't know it offhand. Perhaps the fleet could be of use to us here. Do you think they would have access to more information on this facility than the Minerva Project? That's a possibility. A possibility you're willing to explore? Once I ask this question, just asking is information in and of itself. You must have been assigned to this mission, correct? From your superior officer? How much do you trust them? I trust her with my life. With the fate of the galaxy? As you scroll through this document, just describe this a bit, you learn that during the fleet's blockade of Lucina, a ship taking off from the planet tried to run the blockade. And Alba, who was in command of a patrol ship called the RSV Valiant, was ordered to shoot them down. But according to the file, Alba failed to act after receiving the order. And this oncoming ship fired several missiles at a Republic cruiser before jumping away, killing 14 crew members as a result. Okay. A lot's been said about the terms of the treaty way the war went down and I know it's hard but I wish we could put some of it behind us I would never discount the effort, the sacrifice that went into making a peace but to put things behind us for some I think that's a bridge too far Could I interest you in a game of chess? Arno's immediate instinct is to think of ways to politely decline and go back to his business (laughs) And he remembers his conversation with Leela. <laughs> and I will look at Nasir and I say, sure, let's. Not everything has to be fought with ships and guns, Arno. I'm not talking about ships and guns. I'm talking about lines and where we stand. I think I look down at the board and the first thought in my head is there are still pieces, but no one can win. Until next time, Lieutenant.
after another few days of travel, the Valiant drops out of FTL, and we pick back up with the ship entering the atmosphere of Feronia 1. Down on the ground, the main landscape that you see is rolling grassland, but there are also some patches of forest and denser brush, along with a couple of large mountains very far out in the distance. But within this framework, I'm imagining Feronia as one of the more obviously alien worlds that we've encountered so far, just in terms of the types of life that we're seeing. And so I want to open things up to the group to describe what that looks like, uh, maybe adding one thing each into this world. And so to start us off down on the ground, sprinkled throughout the grasslands, we see some intermittent patches of trees with a lot of open space between them. And these trees have branches jutting out at irregular angles from a central point near the ground, so kind of the main trunk. But each branch is topped with a flat layer of leaves. And these leaves are all a bright, intense blue, maybe just a little darker than Leela's hair. And so maybe whenever you think of something, each of you can jump in and just describe kind of one other thing that we're seeing as the Valiant flies over the ground here on Fronia. I'll go first. <laughs> Okay, then. Unless someone else would like to. Both you and Haley, like, positioned yourself to start speaking, so... Then I will go second. Um, so I think as the Valiant is getting closer to land and we can see more detail of the terrain, one of the things that emerges is what looks like a lake. And next to the lake is a couple clusters of some crocodilian-looking creatures. They're pretty small. They're only maybe four feet long. So I don't know that we can see them very clearly. But so I guess before I describe any further, so John, you said the trees are blue. What about, is there like grass or, or any sort of, is all foliage blue? So I, I think I just described the trees, right? Okay. I, I, you know, the grass I didn't kind of characterize yet. So if you want it, if that's important for what you're describing and you want to throw that in, that's fine too. Okay. I mean, I think maybe the grass is not as blue as the trees, but maybe it is somewhere in that bluer side of blue-green. And the animals that I'm describing, which are closest to what we would consider caimans on Earth, so they look kind of like mini alligators. They are also a blue color, uh, a little bit more than um, than the green brown that you would expect to see on Earth. For those at home, Haley is a huge alligator and crocodilian fan. And Mike put, I knew it in the chat as soon as Haley started <laughs> to give her pitch. So, um, I mean, now it's canon. There's blue, right, that's true. tiny gators. Awesome. All right, Mo, you were also kind of ruined to go. So I think as you look, we look over the grassland, we see at first it kind of looks like debris floating lightly from tree to tree until eventually we see what sort of looks like domed creatures with like long frills extending from them, looking most closely to what we would call jellyfish. Ooh. And they each have four long thick 
tentacles relative to their size. And we see them sort of floating from tree to tree. And then as they get close to one tree, one of those four tentacles sort of lashes out and grabs the tree and pulls them in. I think they vary in size with the smallest ones, the dome on the top of the smallest ones looking about as small as your fist, your closed fist, and the largest ones being about three feet across. They're what I'll call like plumage, the like frilled pieces that that fall from them are every color schema across the rainbow, but almost all of them have a dome that is like nearly translucent color that you can lose in the light. And so it just sort of looks like rainbow debris is flitting from tree to tree. Awesome. I really like that. Another thing that comes into view as we're kind of coasting along is these strange serpentine flying organisms. They're kind of squiggling back and forth in the sky and using their body and their four wings that kind of jut out pairwise up and down and then another pair more anteriorly that goes outside to side and they're kind of making very quick erratic motions and you can kind of tell that they seem to be searching or hunting for something in the sky gotcha. what i don't know like how big are these and what colors or what are we kind of seeing in there i think parents? well the thing is i think they're moving too quick to be able to perceive oh, anything wow. other okay. than they have like wing like appendages mm-hmm. they move squiggly and I think they're maybe like two feet. Okay. And the wings extend probably another two to three feet from the body. I need just a second because Mo and Lauren back to back took the ideas I was going to go with. (laughs) Mo took the idea I was going to go with. Like I was like, oh, it's like going to be like a big round moving tortoise like thing. And then Everyone... I was like, it's a dome. And I'm like, ah, dick. Uh, I made fuck. sky jellyfish and everyone's like, oh, that's what I'm taking. Everyone <laughs> just knew to steer clear of the alligators because that's clearly Haley's domain. Yeah. And then, that's exactly uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you want to invent a second crocodilian species. That's orange. I thought <laughs> yeah. about that immediately when you said there were tiny blue gators canonically, but I'm going to save that for another time. No, I think off in the distance in... A clear patch of land, Arno notices that the ground is moving, but behaving the way that you might expect water to. But the waves aren't coming back to front, they're coming side to side. And it's only one at a time, maybe second, sometimes a second time. And I think he can tell that there's something really big under the surface Ooh. that's moving, causing the ripples in the ground. Ooh. Dude, I really I like mean, that. Something not trademarked. <laughs> Sandworm. <laughs> Sandworm. <laughs> no, no, no. Landworm. Landworm. <laughs> Landworm TM Worlds Away 2023. <laughs> TM, TM, TM. So, okay. So I think I think we see all of these things as you're kind of descending over the rolling grasslands and these trees in the lake and uh, kind of seeing the ground undulating and these creatures in the air. But eventually kind of coming into your view, you see a fast flowing river that's streaming down from a massive series of waterfalls. In total, they have to be maybe 2000 feet tall. And the valley below as a consequence of this is clouded over with a sort of light fog. 
but extending over that mist as the ship gets closer we can see some slate gray buildings of a small city and this is jarvis prospect which is one of the larger settlements on feronia and so I think we see the Valiant kind of swooping in through the mist, and then finally it comes and touches down in a complex of landing pads um, as part of this city. And as the engines are winding down and the dust begins to settle, we see the lift extend down from the bottom of the ship. And so I want to ask, what are the four of you doing as you walk off the ship? Any conversation or what are the four of you looking like? I'm gonna I'm gonna be very transparent about this. Arno is still most comfortable in his fleet uniform. Okay. So even after the events of Satis, not wearing the, the Minerva Project jacket. I think perhaps even more because of Satis. Yeah. It's his emotional support fleet jacket. Yeah. What about the three of you? I think Nasir actually is also not wearing the Minerva Project jacket. Hmm. I think he's wearing a set of workmen's cargo pants. And like a utility vest, uh, sort of the best way to think about it, over like a tight fitting, like thermal, right? Like tactical thermal. <laughs> Before you said the thermal, I was like, oh, Zoolander, got it. The mining scene. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. He's, his skin is covered just in case. It's all, it's a little like it's sleeked down. It's not like bulky. He like very clearly is here for like a mission and like prepped. He went to Patagonia. Uh, I would say he went to like Patagonia, yeah. space Patagonia. <laughs> what about Leland? it's actually still Patagonia? It's still Patagonia. <laughs> Patagonia survived the wars of the 21st century, yes. and <laughs> one of the few survivors, brands wise. Uh, Leela and Mara, what about you two? I think no, no jacket, just I think nondescript athletic wear. I will not elaborate. <laughs> I think. Mara has put on some like she has normal looking pants and shoes on, but she maybe has a little bit of extra gear with her. So she has like the way we would refer to it as like like a safari jacket or like a fishing jacket. You know, the ones that have like all of the pockets pockets. on it. So she looks like a big fucking nerd. And then she also has like a visor on. Like they over look her as head? dumb in the future. Yeah, they look yeah. as dumb in the future as they do right now. Okay, perfect. Come at me, visor stands. Yeah. <laughs> is Gen Z into visors? Are we alienating our listeners? Gen Z's into bucket hats. Bucket hats. Okay. Then we get then we have we're pro bucket hat on this show. It's established, so we're good. Mm. So okay. So I, I think Oops, you okay, Mo? Oh, oh he's getting a, no. no, he's getting a bucket hat. Perfect. Listening to Mo abruptly threw his headphones off, ran off screen, and then came back wearing a bucket hat. So this is what we're witnessing. Is that now. an Arizona iced tea bucket hat? Holy it's shit! An Arizona dude. green tea bucket hat. That's Thank you very much. <laughs> oh my god! All right, I'm gonna try to steal myself and continue the show here. So okay, so th- and let me just ask actually. So you know, we went from fleet uniform and three Minerva Project jackets to still fleet uniform and no Minerva Project jackets. And I guess like, what's the thinking behind that? Is that that you don't want like why the change as we kind of understand the psychology here yeah i mean we're here at least uh, mara like we're solving a different problem and that we are not we don't have a public face in in this or at least it's not as emphasized as previous missions so yeah. i think that she went with tactical expediency 
rather than pizzazz. Okay. I For Nasir, it's very much like this. I'm not Nasir. Like, I don't have to be Nasir the icon here, right? Like, I get to be Nasir the dude who has, like, been on the frontier of a planet that wasn't really settled. Like, that's, I'm I'm back nine years ago. Yeah. What about Leela? I mean, I think Leela is, to Lauren's point, you know, this is not a facey mission. And also, it's just like the vibes are off after the last one. Like, yeah. you know, not the most exciting time. Not feeling the proudest. Uh, so, so trying to go a little more incognito. Gotcha. So uh, I think we see the lift kind of reach the ground and the four of you step off and are kind of walking toward the exit of this spaceport. But as you get maybe 50 feet away from the ship, you hear the sound of something kind of hitting the ground to your left and then running footsteps. What do you do? Really quickly, what is the nearest thing to us that could provide cover? I think there are several rows of crates by you and probably also some... Like, I'm kind of imagining, like, the tugs at an airport or, like, all the little ground vehicles so to kind of Mm -hmm. service the spaceport and, like, help move things around. So I think think there's... Those are the the options that are nearest to you. I'm going to run to the the nearest vehicle. Okay. Just take off running. The rest of you follow him or or kind of what are you... Or just tensing up? Like, what's the reaction? I'm going to cock an eyebrow and just kind of stay where I'm at. Okay. I think Mara kind of froze. Okay. So, yeah, Mara, you froze. And and is you kind of are, like moving toward the cover. So I, I think this next part all happens within a couple of seconds. But I think, Arno, especially if you're just kind of raising an eyebrow and taking in the scene and not immediately jumping to action, you see two people jump out from behind one of those parked ground vehicles I mentioned. And this one looks like something used to move cargo around the spaceport. So maybe it has kind of a couple trolleys attached to it that are able to load crates on. And these people are, they're wearing hooded jackets and they each have a kind of short and wide metal cylinder in their hands. And I think the thing that alarms you is that they have bandanas covering their faces. But instead of interacting with you at all, they bound quickly toward a trio of people who are walking toward a ship that's parked near the Valiant. And before any of those three can turn around, the two people in the jackets with the bandanas over their face fling the contents of the cylinder at a woman near the back of that group, and she is covered in bright red paint. And at this point, the pair of masked assailants starts to flee toward the exit of the spaceport. So I want to know how you all react to this, kind of seeing the scene unfold in front of you. I think Mara moves to help the individual that's just been splattered upon. Okay, so you walk up to her. What what yeah. what about is anyone interacting with the Sierra? Are you still kind of hiding behind the thing? I think if I see them like not target us, I'll sort of stop, but I won't do anything. I'll just watch. Yeah, I uh, I'll make my way over to the trio as well. Okay, so I I think what happens is you're kind of walking up, and I think you can see that the woman is recovering from her shock. But she is already, before you get there, yelling at the other members of the group with her. And I think you can see as you kind of approach that they're wearing what looks like pilot uniforms. So kind of like they're the flight crew of the spaceship that she's walking toward. 
And I think you can just kind of hear her like yelling, like, how could you let this happen? And just kind of raising her voice at them. You mentioned uniforms. Can I make out anything specific about those uniforms or who like what faction they might belong to? So I, I don't need to roll anything for this. These are like civilian pilot uniforms, if that makes sense. Right. So it's kind of like, oh, how you'd expect an, like an airplane pilot to have the little shoulder bars and the the straps or the sort of ranking insignia for like the captain and the co-pilot or whatever that's what you see here it's not anything that suggests military service sorry um i didn't want to follow the people who threw the paint but i did want to try to get a picture or video or something just in case yes i i think you like take out your slate and you just kind of record them running toward the exit of this this uh spaceport i think there's like a few people that are kind of like most of the people that they're running by are in shock. Maybe there's a couple of people that are kind of chasing after them, though, as they run out toward this sort of into the rest of the city. But yeah, so so that for those of you that are approaching the the woman, like, what do you do as you kind of I, I don't think she's like paying any attention to you. I think she's just yelling at the at the other two people that she's with. I'm going to cup a hand over my mouth uh, to, to I'm like shouting over here. And for, while we're a distance away so they can see us and aren't surprised, just shout, are you OK? Yeah, I think that okay. <laughs> I think that what happens is she like looks up and just looks at you and she's just like so irate and she just yells fuck you and then storms off into the ship just like not taking in that anyone there is trying to help in any way. That was rude. I like her. <laughs> and what's this year doing? I guess let me ask that. I mean at this point, I'm sort of walking back. I'm not like, there's no urgency if all that happened was somebody got covered in paint. Yeah. So I think that then your your heads all kind of turn because you hear what sounds like a child's voice coming from a stack of crates that are to your right at this point. And you just hear, she's not going to talk to you. Will you talk to us? So, okay. So I think at this point, you maybe walk up to the crates and I want to ask another world building question, which is what does the Game Boy of the future look like? The Game Boy of the past. How would you? You um, can't improve, can't improve on, on perfection. perfection? Yeah. yeah. Your ignorance is noted, Jonathan. Okay, fair enough. I, 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 Nintendo just stopped after the Switch. That's what happened. <laughs> I think similar to like Mara's glass that was just like a thing behind the ear. I think it's like a combination. It's like a a thing behind both ears and then like essentially just like a band right above the eyes. Okay. And like, that's it. Like a headband that you didn't actually pull up into your hair, but you just let rest on your ears or like a glasses frame without the lenses or the bottom half. I think in the future we have sort of like moved past VR into genuinely sophisticated AR games. Yeah. Augmented reality games. So like gaming in 2275, is designed around like you experiencing something happening on the world around you. Pokemon uh, and Go. so like all game kind of like Pokemon Go, but like <laughs> all games are set in the real world. Oh, or like that's the trend at the moment. If you're playing a zombie apocalypse game, you're playing a zombie apocalypse game oh. like taking place wherever you are. So okay, I, I like that. So I think you round the corner of these crates and you see sitting on the ground with her back up against one of them. There's a young girl, maybe around eight years old. She has medium tan skin, shoulder length, black hair that's braided into pigtails. 
and then again has that visor on is kind of looking um or, or playing this game as you walk up then you had asked would you talk to us and then she just kind of says sure but then kind of keeps playing the game so um oh i don't know what to ask now i, I say that out loud she just says well that's okay we can just hang out and kind of keeps playing the game um so do you know who those people were that threw paint at that person who won't talk to us not specifically (laughs) generally i think she kind of like i don't know what the the kind of control surface is or if it's just like tracking her hand movements but she kind of like Mm -hmm. taps something and then like lifts the the glass up a little bit and says i'm guessing they were upset about her why would they be upset about her you can usually just tell here she was a hunter excuse me actually pause mm. what is the stance of the verge broadly on hunting since we can't eat anything in the verge so i i think before the war right this probably goes back to when aventine was earth's only colony there was a bunch of regulations or rules that were passed at sort of the beginning of our expansion into the verge and one of them prohibited hunting the local alien wildlife right because i I think just a for the reason you said if you can't can't eat anything on on these planets but i think b also just to kind of protect the alien ecosystems and not kind of mess with things there after the war i think it's kind of all bets are off right And, and it maybe depends on each planet in the verge but i think that earth and probably aventine as well both said oh you can't go to these planets to engage in that 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 that's itself not allowed on earth or aventine so then when she says hunter mm-hmm. I, i'm gonna be horrified okay uh what do you mean je- seriously she she hunts animals she just nods and kind of like puts the gaming headset back on why i guess it's fun for them if not why would they do it right so uh, what brings you to a busy port like this? I come here when class is really boring. They're just going over stuff from Calc 1 again for everyone who forgot. I think Mara will like chuckle to herself. I think Lula's just going to be like, yeah, of, of course. Who could be so stupid as to forget Calc 1? <laughs> and then... I think she's going to look at the rest of the gang and say, so do we want to keep disturbing this person who's trying to play her game or get to work? Are you tired of us yet? Would you like to be left alone? (laughs) I think she says, like in like the most neutral tone possible, she says a little. I think Leela is just kind of like face palming of just like, (laughs) can't believe that this is happening. Very well. Well, it was nice meeting you. Uh, I didn't catch your name. You're not going to tell anyone I'm here, right? I won't if you won't. It's Mia. Nice to meet you, Mia. I'm Arno. She kind of nods, but doesn't do anything with her hands because she's like fully engaged in the game at this point. So I think I think you walk away. And at this point, I want to kind of do like a montage for the next parts. And so I want to open it up to you all and ask like what you're doing to kind of investigate next steps here on Fronia. So at this point, you have the list of leads that you got from Shaw, and you could start to track those down 
but I think there are other things that you could be doing as well. And so I want to kind of know, like, are people splitting up or what's the what's the game plan? Yeah, so Arno is looking through the dossier, just the leads of people to follow up with uh, who might have some more information. And I think Arno wants to go one through the list again. He's already read it. He's probably very certain of like what he wants to do over here and categorize them in terms of people that seem to have the most information about what's going on here and then figuring out where there's overlap in like different people to figure out who he doesn't need to talk to over here. He wants to like get the most information, like the fewest number of conversations, I guess, is sort of his plan of attack. Yeah, I like that. So you have the list, you're kind of triaging it and ordering it in that way. And I kind of like that order. I think that makes a lot of sense. So, Mm -hmm. okay, so maybe it sounds like you're going to go and try to track these people down and and talk to them. Is anyone going with Arno or is anyone doing anything else? I'm good to tag along with Arno. I'd actually like to invite Leela. All right. Mm. Dr. Belova, I was going to look into settlement infrastructure, see if there have been any incidents that maybe Director Shaw overlooked because they weren't directly related to the animals. See maybe if we could get any information on the Lustra. I could use it, your discerning eye. Of course. That sounds like a much better use of our time than talking to a truant child. <laughs> <laughs> Adding Arna shit. Um. Uh, <laughs> uh, doctor, I feel that's a very rude way to refer to Lieutenant Hines. <laughs> Uh, and then do i hear this i think so yeah that that was a joke i think she's a little confused i just i just i just, I just want to know if i hear it i don't think i need to react at all oh no i'm oh, i'm actually, sorry you must have misheard me i said truant child not insolent child at that point uh i think i will look at arno and i will say ingest lieutenant uh, and put my hands up and then i will i don't know get on a, a yeah, yeah. Uh, one of these cars not cars mm. one of these uh shuttles yeah, yeah vehicles that's the word i'll get on one of these vehicles no i'm getting uncomfortable i'll get on one of the vehicles <laughs> and head towards settlement center yeah yeah okay all right so i, I want to again i want to kind of montage both of these investigations so maybe i'll start with leela and arno and i think what we see here is this is kind of the part where it's like little 10 second clips from each of the people that you're talking to. Hmm. So I I think the first person you see a guy that's in his late thirties, just like broad shoulders, generally a big dude wearing a a jean jacket without any sleeves. And we hear him say it was 40 feet tall, just looming over me. And when it looked down, it's fire in his jaws. And then I think we cut away and we see a man and a woman maybe in their mid-40s and the man's talking and he says, it had wings folded up on its back, swooped down and attacked with a giant pair of horns. And then the woman kind of like looks at him and says, you told me you were wasted. And then he says, I saw what I saw. (laughs) And then we kind of cut to an older woman with gray hair. She's wearing like a very posh outfit and kind of dangly gemstone earrings. And I think she's welcomed you two into her house and is serving you tea. And as she kind of hands you the cup, she says, personally, I don't believe any of these rumors. And then kind of sits down in the chair. What do you believe? She kind of leans forward and starts like speaking quietly and says, see... Aventine, I heard they're making their own Sato Institute. 
psychic warriors. That's what's yes. causing this, tricking us into thinking that something's out there. And then she kind of taps on her head. I want Leela to have been taking a drink at that moment and like kind of choking and then yeah. having to swallow it down. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, okay. they're on to you. But eventually we go to a scene with a man who looks to be in his early 40s. He has light brown skin, short, messy black hair, and is wearing kind of rectangular rimless glasses. He has on a pair of light blue coveralls. And when we pick up the scene, I think you're outside and we see him loading some plastic piping onto a truck. So Arno, I think you're pretty far down the list. But from the information that you got, this person's name is Sasha Kumar, and he filed a report about a large creature that he saw at a pumping station outside of the settlement. And so how do, how do we pick up with this person? So can you tell me more about the, the creature you saw? So I think he looks back at you over his shoulder for a second, but then kind of continues loading the pipes onto this truck. And he says, not sure why you all are coming to talk to me now. I, uh, I already told the other guy everything I knew. Well, I'm not sure who the other guy is, but, you know, it'd be really helpful if you could tell me what you told him. Oh, it was hard to see, but I think that whatever I saw, it was dark, maybe black or midnight blue. Not sure how many limbs it had. It was definitely more than four. Looked like it had some kind of tail, too. You didn't perhaps see, uh, and I go through the list a jaw that was on fire or folded back wings and your shirt wasn't a um, psychic attack on you. Uh, you never really be too sure, I guess. But, uh, you know, I don't remember any fire in the jaws, that's for sure. And uh, and the tail, anything special there? Again, I didn't really get a good look at it. It was pretty dark out there. Do you have any idea why it attacked? Really can't tell you. I was just walking around outside the plant, and there it was, kind of holding on the wall. Was it just there waiting for you, or was it paying attention to something else? Again, I only saw it for a few seconds. When it let out this kind of growl, I knew I shouldn't be there. And, sorry, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and pull out a map over here. Can you just point me to where you saw that? Yeah, so I, th- I think he looks at your map and kind of indicates where this pumping plant is and, and kind of puts a, a pin down on it for you. And he says, you know, again, I already told the other guy everything, including this. Um, if you don't mind my asking, who was the other guy? He kind of narrows his eyes and stops loading the pipe into the truck and reaches into a bag and kind of fishes around in it for a little bit. But then he mm. pulls out, and this kind of strikes you, a rectangular paper business card. It's extremely simple, just black text on an off-white card. And at the top, it says, Ren Krieg, Peronia Nature Tours. And then at the bottom, on the left side, there's a number for a slate. And then on the right, it says, 277 Gray Street, Jarvis Prospect. I uh, take out my slate and put on the camera, and I just ask Sasha, may I? Yeah, he kind of nods. And I snap a picture of the business card. Yeah. Well, um, thank you for your time, I suppose. He says, I'd say I'd hope you find what you're looking for, but in this case, I'm not so sure. He kind of goes back to loading the pipe. And I'll just turn to Leela, and I, I, guess, uh, I guess we have another name for our list. 
Hey there, it's Mike. Thank you so much for listening to Worlds Away. It's been an absolute blast making the show and inspiring so much future fanfiction. If you're enjoying Worlds Away so far, you can help us out by spreading the word to friends, family, and coworkers you corner at the water cooler. We're relying entirely on word of mouth to advertise, so this is the number one way to help support the show. And if you've already talked about us to everyone you know and want another way to support us, you can also rate and review us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any other platform you use to listen to podcasts. You can also give us a shout out on social media on most platforms at Worlds Away Pod or at our website, worldswaypod.com. Thanks again for listening, and now back to the episode. So at this point, I want to cut to Nasir and Mara. And so what I want to kind of do is again montage this, but see what you find. And so. I want someone to roll scope it out, but if someone else wants to help, that's definitely an option also. Excuse me. Yes. I have already shared my expertise, and I believe that motion advantage. Can I roll scope it out with advantage? So the expertise, though, was about the piercing thing, and I don't know if, if the Lustra investigation part is related to that. I'm sad, but that's fair. Yeah. Tough, but fair. Tough, but fair. I am down for either role. I can, I'm happy to assist, right? Like I specifically asked you to come for your discerning eyes. I'm happy to just assist with like, this is what I would expect of a colony of roughly this size, right? This is what the kind of resources that are needed when you're expanding a settlement into uh, mm-hmm. unbroken frontier, like that kind of stuff. So I, I can either help by providing that information or take the lead. I think totally up tomorrow. I think take the lead. Go ahead and roll it. Yeah. But did, and did, well, are you going to, did you yeah, want to roll help? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. if you're going to help, go ahead and roll in that case, um, lean assist. on me first. So just plus. Oh, is it not assist? I think it's called lean on me is the move. But do I roll stalwart? Sorry. Plus stalwart. Correct. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. There we go. Got a plus one. Come on. Okay. All right. Please. Gods of dice. <laughs> do not fuck me on this one. It hurts a lot. Sex. Well. Oof. Owie. I should have known. I should have known. I mean, mechanically, what I'm going to probably have to do makes sense, but I'm interested to hear what it looks like. Hmm. Actually, can I can I say what it looks like? I oh. have an idea for this one. Okay. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Well, yeah, Mark, Mark XP, Lauren, first of all, before, before Mo describes your film. Up. I'm not even kidding. So I think... This is Mara's first time looking at colonial records and expansion. And I think that a huge, huge part of settlement is the integration of gen- and testing of genocynth crops on a planet. Yeah. So I think as Nasir is looking for anomalies or things that might draw his eye, Mara is peppering him with questions okay. and getting fixated on every like new genocynth fact because like it's data that like she wouldn't have gotten yet because it would have been in the last few weeks or months while she was right yeah prepping for this so that's I what it. I think a fail looks like is like okay. Mara being like oh that's so interesting that the blapple prop didn't yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. propagate so she's like distracting you is the idea she's or? like okay yeah. this is fascinating but what about the propagation records yeah or okay, like exactly. is the new weight varietal like taking root like how's the uh... yeah so 
I was just going to explode you, but it sounds like what you're what you're gunning for here is that you have disadvantage hat, on the roll. Old so yeah, hat. yes. So go ahead and, and roll in this. I'll, I'll allow that and go ahead and roll with uh, disadvantage. That's so excellent because also for fun facts, I have a zero oh, on really? scope it out. All right, we really so, fucked up who's doing the roll here. Yes. Also for what it's worth, I have a plus one to stalwart, so it was significantly Unreal. better the other way. Unreal. I mean, I have a plus one to stalwart. Oh, look, a, f- a four. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to mm-hmm. go ahead and mark some XP. Okay. I have just one piece of feedback for the roll team. And that's if you could just <laughs> choose a different program or like <laughs> code not for your auto roller. Just a different one. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the current one. I would just like you to replace it with a different one. I'm, I'm sure saying there's, there's something wrong. I'll go ahead. I'll put it out there. Uh, it hurts me a lot. It hurts me a lot, both mechanistically in the game and emotionally. What, what hurt me was you saying, use a different code for the auto roller. <laughs> yeah. I, Do the code I, and, and make it different. I have significantly less scientific knowledge than Nasir. And so here's what I'm going to say is just make it different. Please make it different. Yeah. I... I'm just saying, statistically speaking, it shouldn't fail this much. And we have recorded evidence to indicate that that's true. <laughs> I roll fine. So so I think like maybe you're going into the kind of like records administration and you're looking at kind of that's where you're doing this research, right? Is in some kind of government building here. So when you walked into this building, did you have your shield on you, Nasir? Yes. Okay. So what I think happens is you... you are kind of going through their security and i think maybe you had to like take off the shield to kind of go through their detector through their security Mm -hmm. and i think they like kept it at the front because like any kind of defensive or offensive thing i think like going to this building that's something that they're gonna gonna keep and Mm -hmm. i think you're doing this this research and and I, i think what you see is information that like kind of with the knowledge that you have from Dr. Sand from the Minerva Project that kind of correlates the fact that there is this anomaly affecting the lustra production on Feronia. And I think it's like you see kind of like yield figures that are reduced in some way starting sort of several months before the uh, uh, before the mission here. After finding that, I think your slate kind of goes off. And I think you get the message from Leela and Arno sort of notifying you that they have another lead and that they're going to check it out. And so I think that you and Mara kind of head out of this this building and you leave the shield behind in kind of the the rush out of there. And so what I want you to do is mark off a gear slot and mark that the shield is unavailable. Okay. And that'll kind of be through the end of this mission. So I think we pick up with the four of you kind of regrouping at this point after you sort of sent that snapshot of the, the business card. Did you find anything useful? We sent you the most useful thing we found, regrettably. As far as I know, there is a fire-breathing dragon loose on this planet. And it might be a psychic hallucination caused by Aventine's copy of the Sado Institute. Apparently, we have competition. One eyebrow will go up at (laughs) hallucination. Well... We can confirm the Lustra anomaly using records here on the settlement, but there's nothing really beyond that. It seems like the only thing left to do is head to the mine, see for ourselves. This uh, dragon uh, hallucination. 
Well, there is this other person investigating, and I think he's worth paying a visit to. He just wasn't on our list originally. Mm. If you have a legitimate lead, Lieutenant, we should definitely start with that. Legitimate? I don't know what's legitimate on this planet right now. But there seems to be another investigator, and perhaps we can skip a few of more of these conversations and get to the heart of what's going on here if we talk to them. Private bounty hunters, investigators, and security details are as common in The Verge as, well, any profession, really. I'm not saying he isn't a complete charlatan, but he could also just be making an honest living. Someone has to tame the wilds. I Nasir will smile at Mara very warmly when she says that. I cannot think of a compelling reason not to follow up on this lead, no matter how much I want it. We could either go in and be honest, or we could go in and act as though we're just here for a nature tour. One more conversation won't kill you, Arno. So maybe at that we cut. So you, if you want to go to that address on the on the card, using that in your slate, you kind of navigate through town. And I think we see you moving down a largely residential street. On the sides, you kind of see mostly mid-rise buildings, maybe between five or ten stories tall, along with a few shorter homes. But after passing a few intersections, you finally arrive at what should be number 277. But instead of an office or even a home there... You instead see what looks like a neighborhood dive bar, which above the door is labeled Earl's on Grey. Ha. This is my episode of Bad Puns. So That was very funny. Thank you. I think Leela's going to stride up to the door and kick it open. No, just kidding. <laughs> She's going to open the door. <laughs> okay. Okay. Do the rest of you follow her in, I assume? Or? I think Mara is incredibly hesitant. To walk into this establishment. Just seeing it from the outside? Or? Yes. Okay, yeah. yeah. It's just not generally her haunt. Yeah. So she's afraid that she's not going to understand the traditions and cultures of the dive bar patrons. Yeah, yeah. I think that, that's for sure Nevertheless, right. <laughs> nevertheless, she is here on a mission for humanity and therefore will endeavor into the great unknown, this Excellent. dive bar. Owned by Earl, supposedly. Yeah. So as you move into the bar, the inside is dimly lit. I think there's just a hint of natural light coming in through some short windows. Natty light. But everything other than the windows is slightly illuminated by kind of dim orange ceiling lights. And you also get an ambient blue-white glow from several screens on the walls. The bar itself is a sort of narrow horseshoe extending out from the back wall, the center of which is filled with sort of whatever the beer taps of the future look like. And then maybe there's also some other machines or devices to make drinks as well. Back from the bar a little bit, the center of the room is filled with a few tables along with, I think you get a single pool table and then also two dart boards off to the left side as you walk in the door. And running along the walls, there are several kind of slightly elevated booths Each table there is kind of surrounded by a pair of padded green benches. So walking into this bar, what do do you all do? I kind of want to just 
walk up to the bar and speak to someone as expeditiously as possible. Yeah. So I think you walk up to the bar and, and kind of the, the bartender looks up and walks over to you. I think she's a woman who's probably in her early 50s, I guess. She has dark hair tied back in a ponytail, pale skin, and just a few, the mildest hint of wrinkles um, around her eyes. But she she walks up to you and kind of slides one of those bar napkins across the bar. You, I don't think there's any markings or anything on this. Nothing that fancy, but just kind of slides across the bar and says, uh, what are you having? I think Leela's going to turn around and see if anyone else is interested and just kind of motion like, does anyone want anything? <laughs> uh, I, you know what? I, cu- I Arno cuts himself off. I'll take a Midas touch. And this is this is showing my lack of knowledge of anything. Is that a, yeah. what, what is a Midas touch? No, I made that up. Oh, okay. I just made that up. Okay. okay. Yeah. Great. So Lila's going to turn back around to the bartender and say, one Midas touch for my friend. And I assume you have a London fog. She nods and kind of gets the drinks after the minute or so comes back to you and, and puts them on the bar. So Lila's going to pay for the drinks and then say by the way pull out her slate and show the picture of the business card and say is mr krieg available by any chance when you say that i think her eyes kind of narrow and she leans in a little bit to look at the picture of the card on the slate and she says what's it about we have some business to discuss what kind of business? Can I get a sense of, like, she seems kind of cagey. Yeah. Trying to figure out what's going on there. Hmm. Do you have a move for this? or? So I have advantage when trying to dispel lies or mystery. I don't know if that would apply. Yeah. I think oh, that man. works. Pierce lies, confusion, or mystery. Yeah. So go ahead and roll scope it out, but with advantage. Okay. I get to roll. Okay. No. No, that's good. That's good. That's a 10. And, and you, you only rolled two dice, too. You get to... Oh. Yeah, but you don't need to roll okay. the third one. So you got a 10. That's the best score. So uh, <laughs> scope it out. The 10 or higher, you get to ask three questions from the list. Okay. I mean, so I think the gimmies are who or what here is not what they seem. Mm-hmm. Who or what here could be a useful opportunity. And then I also want to ask... What should I be on the lookout for if that could be addressed? And this is in response to her saying, like, what kind of business? Yeah. I think I'll give you part of it now and then we can kind of play out the conversation. But I think you get the sense that she's being protective. And that's why she's asking these questions that she's like worried about something. Got it. So I think kind of understanding that I'll, you know, level with her and be like, we're looking into the unfortunate accidents that have been occurring. And I understand that Mr. Krieger may have some information that could help us. He's not in trouble. Just wanted to talk. She kind of like gets a a slight scowl, but then looks up at you and shakes her head and says, the booth at the back over on the right. And when you look over there, you see the top of a hat poking over the back of the booth. But this person's kind of facing away from the door. I think Leela says thanks and motions to the group to 
wander over to the booth. So as you walk up to the booth, I think you see a man sitting in the, again, this is the chair kind of facing away from the door, the bench facing away from the door. He's wearing an off-white collared shirt along with a, a kind of thin gray jacket that is kind of like yours, Mara, and that's also loaded with pockets. <gasps> and the the top of his head is covered by a brown waxed cotton hat. His left arm, which is kind of the one that's closest to the edge that you're walking up to, you see it is in a sling. And when you walk up, it's also holding a slate that he's currently extremely focused on looking down and flipping through with his right hand. But I think as you approach the booth, with, there's no one like else in this part of the bar. But as you're walking up, you just hear this person say, I'm not taking any appointments now, though you should certainly come back in a few weeks. We're uh, not looking to make an appointment, but I think happen to be walking the same trails as you are at the moment. So I, th- I think when you say that, he kind of puts the slate down, like lowers it to the table from his left hand and, and looks up. And I think he sees the fleet uniform and then kind of takes the other three of you in. And after a few seconds, I think you see like a look of recognition on his face. So it's kind of like he clocks something. Um, and he kind of has a little, like a, the mildest grin. And he says, one of the talking heads on the news called it a tourist project, but I didn't know they were being so literal. Came all this way just to see the sights? We came here to see a site, but uh, I was hoping you might be able to shed some light on what we're actually looking for. What might that be? Well, by all accounts, it could be a 40-foot tall fire-jawed uh, dragon or or Aventine's attempt at copying the Sato Institute and weaponizing it against folks of Feronia, or uh, just a Another beast on a wall with a tail. I was hoping that you've gone through a number of these conversations and could tell us what we're actually looking for here. So I think when you say that last part, he kind of looks up and gets a more serious look on his face. But he sort of picks the slate back up in his left hand. But before he does anything with it, he turns to you more directly, Arno, and says, if you're looking for this monster... And kind of has a really sarcastic look when he says that. This is a Feronia problem. Last thing we need is a bunch of Earthers coming here and, well, stepping in it. Respectfully, of course. Feronia seems to be dealing with many problems, not the least of which being hunters going after whatever it is that's causing disturbances. And I want to assure you that that we're not in that business. When you say that he looks up and kind of looks up very meticulously at you, and he says, it's a very unfortunate problem, but I personally wouldn't know anything about that. But as soon as he says that, the door to the bar opens with kind of a soft bang, kind of slamming into the wall. And through the doorway, we see three people enter the room. All three of them seem to be in their 30s or 40s. And the person at the front, um, a kind of obviously muscled woman with pale skin and short, spiky blonde hair, starts removing a pair of sunglasses and folding them up. But when this happens, you see Ren glance over his left shoulder toward the door, 
but then he kind of snaps his head back and almost shrinks down in the bench at which point he says oh fuck and back at the door the woman at the front of the group finishes putting away her sunglasses and then speaks loud enough to be heard clearly across the bar and she says all right which one of you is ren creek <laughs> i'll look over at ren and just say sounds like a feronia problem <laughs> <laughs> 